Hello, and welcome to the Grand Cinema Hotel, a podcast hosted by two friends who love cinema. I'm Gus, and I'm joined by my co-host Alvaro. Tonight, you'll be staying in room 157, After Sun, the feature film debut from Scottish film director Charlotte Wells. So go ahead, get comfortable, and throw on that Do Not Disturb sign as we join a father and daughter on a Turkish getaway with After Sun. Do you ever feel like tired and down and feels like your bones don't work, like you're sinking? fathers and daughters and fathers and daughters only thank you for checking back into the grand cinema hotel tonight we are here to talk about one of our favorites of the year i'm joined by alvaro what's up guys and we're talking about a24's uh one of a24's latest directed by charlotte wells after sun dude starring paul mescal and uh frankie correo i believe is her name Mm -hmm. uh yeah how did you feel about this movie? Uh, I know we both really like this movie. Um, give me some of your first thoughts, man. I am gonna, I am gonna say, I guess um, I don't remember at the top of my head which one was last year, but A twenty four does seem to have a sneaker. Um, just films that come a lot for this podcast that we weren't expecting, and then really, was it come on, come on, yeah, it's come on, come on. That's what's gonna. It just hit me, yeah. Um, but this one might be. Arguably, I, I would say it's one of the best films I've seen in a, um, definitely this year, but also just in a while. It's one of the ones that stands out very well to me. I think there's not too much promotion of this film, honestly. Um, and I think that kind of maybe it, it's hard to promote a film like this. I think it's a very personal love letter, like you said, how our interest between a father and a daughter's relationship. And I think um, this this film is just truly one of the, like, just beautiful. And I really enjoyed watching this film. And um, I was lucky enough to watch it in the, like a big screen. And um, I was just very emotional after watching this film. And um, I guess I'm just really impressed with the direction this literally has. Um, so you did see it in the theater. I yeah. don't remember asking you before this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw it in the theater. Uh, shout out A-List. Um, I did have to go my way to watch it, um, but I I definitely think it was worth it. I I, I ended up um, I, this was not that long ago, so I could have waited a little bit longer and had it, it probably would have been um, it's on VOD now. But I I, I just it's such a um, beautiful film, and um, I I just truly enjoyed watching it in the theater. And I mean now it doesn't take anything away from it being. Because it's such a personal film, I think even watching it at home, I didn't um, really lose much of that emotional connection. Nice. So I want to start with the A24 thing. Um, you've seen a lot more movies than I have this year. Mm-hmm. Probably double, I would say. I think you've seen double the amount of movies I did uh, as in 2022 releases. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having a hard time kind of remembering A24's slate this year. I would say it's uh, bodies, 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 everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, this movie, there's like that military movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you got overall, you know, not to not to veer off a subject too much. I mean, I haven't even started, honestly. But how do you feel about A24's year? I mean, we're big A24 fans. There's no hiding that. Um, do you I, feel like it was a good year? Do you feel like it was a bad year? I will say that I, th- I think it was a good year. 
I think last year neon ticket. I remember kind of commenting on that because Titan was so good, and we had Spencer. Um, this year, everything everywhere all at once. After Sun X, Funny Pages, Pearl, um, Pearl, The Whale. Um, yeah, like those are the only ones like th- right now that I top come on top of my head that I thought really stood out. You brought up Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. We did that episode. Um, I, I I would say. They had, they had a a good year. Like, I I really and I know I know you too. Like, I really like X and I really like Afterson. So I feel like every year I get two movies from them that I like. I guess this is why I really well, like. What about them. everything, everywhere, all at once? Three, I mean, yeah, that's so true. Three, right? Yeah, three. So I always expect at least two, and then this year I feel like good point there. Like. I got a good third one too, and I I really enjoyed well, the whale. You also really enjoyed Funny Pages, right? So yeah. Would you say four or no? You feel like, but Funny Pages might be one of those movies that I really like um, for the year, but I don't know how much I'll watch it like um, in the future. Okay, but X After Sun and um, everything, and everything, yeah, you like, know you'll watch those. Yeah, like those are right? those are you know when people grow up and they have their cinephile card. Um, we watched those movies when they came out. It's like the lighthouse and the green night. Like they get added to this. Um, this is why I am. A I was fan there, of it. man. Yeah, and I do think that they're they're movies that that's gonna like and not and not even take anything from funny pages because I do like it. But I just think that's even a more thrown under the rug film. Which I mean, they do have a lot of right. Like even we were talking about the inspection. Like that movie got. There's no mention of it. I mean, what's that? I don't even know. What no, that, that that's that's the movie with um, the military. Movie oh, the A twenty four yeah that's the, the name LGBT pride yeah military like, movie I I personally and I know you kind of felt the same way was um just not really interested in the concept so I was yeah, like, and it wasn't easy to watch it, it wasn't like at any of the local theaters so um it it is hard to go out of a way for certain movies and I will be the first to say I have bias towards some movies so just wasn't one that I really wanted to reach out to but I just want to say their promotion for certain movies have always kind of been even last year we talked about this a little you know week but um back a little back to where we're talking on this podcast like after sun though kind of fits the mold of an a24 film that's a little bit more under the radar but i do think this is just an excellent debut yeah i mean it, it could be argued and i'm sure a few have so far that this is their best movie of the year yeah you know because i know the beast got a little too big and everything everywhere all at once got too big for the internet. So it's the worst movie ever now, yeah. which is like, you know, maybe I, I feel like I was a little, um, not too positive, but I was very quick to be like, man, this really is one of the best movies I've ever seen. And I, I should probably stop saying that <laughs> after mm-hmm. I've seen a movie only like two or three times because you know, who knows? Like I do feel weird now, you know, this is kind of, We've been kind of we've been teasing this list for a while now, but surprisingly, you know, everything everywhere all at once was not my favorite A twenty four movie of the year. Even though I do think it's one of my favorite movies of all time, I still do believe that that it's one of my favorite movies of all time. But yeah, I maybe I'm in the camp of people who think After Sun is the best movie they put out this year, or you know, X and Pearl got a lot of love. Um, I didn't really see X and Pearl on too many people's like end of years list mm-hmm. but highly regarded you know um but yeah kind of getting off of a24 a bit i just kind of wanted to see where you were on that because i don't know if i felt like last year was great for them either um 
but like you said, they do have either like somewhere between one and three every year. That's like, oh yes, this is fucking tight. Yeah. Um, and the three were pretty good this year. You know. Yeah, I mean, like I said, even you notated like I have in my top ten. I think there's four of them or five of them, but I definitely could see how the whale is something. They would be a little not like I, I could see a lot of plot holes there, you know, um, but with after sun here, I just think it's after sun X and everything ever all at once. I think um, it's really auteur driven films. And um, that's kind of one of the things I know that I really enjoy about um, being able to watch films that maybe don't have the biggest budgets is where directors kind of show off their character. Uh, I have not seen this in the theater. I don't know. If this is necessarily the uh, that would that was the required experience to fully, you know, uh, absorb the movie, I, I think it's fine that I watched it at home. I do think that the uh, in a good way the low quality of the um, of the imagery that it it fit for watching it on TV, especially because it has that home movie feel. Yeah. So it actually I thought worked more to its advantage that I watched it at home actually. As funny as that sounds, because I would rarely say that about a lot of films, but I do think that being at home kind of just gave it that feel of that more that personable like time to just like sit and reflect and think about these times that were had, you know? Um so but I, I am sad that I didn't get to go see it. I, I always do want to see a movie in the theater if possible. But one of the reasons that this movie is so good to me or so relatable is obviously because I am a new father. And when you are a new father, you don't get to go to the movies as much. Yeah. You don't get to see 100 movies a year anymore at, at the theater at least. Um, but, you know, so kind of fitting that I couldn't see the movie about the fathers and daughters because I'm a father with the daughter. But <laughs> now that I have seen it... Uh, I fucking love this movie. I think it's extremely good. Um, and I would say in a, in a quote unquote art house way that this film is very good. Uh, it isn't really narrative driven or focused on the plot as much as it is um, like what you can do with film, you know, like this yeah, movie exactly. really encapsulates, uh, you know, periods of reflection and memory and even i wouldn't say fantasizing because but i don't know what the right word is as like you know filling in the blanks yeah. of uh the things you didn't see and just kind of like how you remember things as a child versus how you see them as an adult uh much like with the fablemans you know this movie kind of hit a little too close to home for me in a lot of places because uh it really was one of those like wow i've i've been there i've done that i've seen i've lived this movie you know what i mean mm. So it fucking, you know, it had me in a hold within like five minutes of the film, dude. I, I was in, you know, it, it didn't take much for me to just, you know, fall in love and be like that critic who watched Memoria be like, I uh, surrendered myself. I surrendered myself to After Sun. <laughs> I think uh, just kind of banking on what you said, uh, that's where the movie really stands out to me, too, is that it's so much more about what's not said than what is said. And there's so much um, story given out of narratives that you growing up in every aspect of characters here have experienced either with, you know, Paul Miskov's character or his daughter um, being obviously, like you said, we're older and you have a daughter. We're reaching the age kind of that Paul Miskov's character and the movie seems to be. And um, there's aspects of his character that I've had friends, you know, or, that you could see in yourself. And I think that's where the movie kind of becomes really relatable and also because we're in that age gap where 
the memories of someone like her age in the movie could still resonate with somebody that's 30. And I think the movie even kind of really comments really well on that with uh, Paul Mescal's even memories of his past. And there's just so much emotional um, weight that this film has that I don't think many films could really even get right with words. There's so much here that, you know, um, an image is a thousand words, as they say, but this this just has so much emotional, what do you say, gravitas, right? And... It's it's a deeply emotional like in a, on an emotional aspect it's pretty epic for a movie where technically nothing happens. Yeah, and <laughs> and I think um kind of going a little bit more to the like aspects of it um the way it's shot like you said uh, makes it look like a home video. Um obviously sh- uh, shot on film which is always a little niche, little plus just for the bias. Um but I, I, I will say the that DV footage, dude, the mini DV footage, like that's what that's what we're talking about. Not the fact that it's shot on film. Yeah. Just how many of the important DV, scenes yeah. in the film were shot or l- appear to be shot on a little handheld mini DV camera from what the, I think the movie takes place in like 2000, 2001. It it pretty much has to for that tech. It would either be late, late 90s or early. 2000s. Yeah. And I think, again, commenting on on that which is just it's just a perfect thing because we were part of it to know that when those gadgets came out right they they are things that have captured my parents have captured moments of our birthdays and moments that people they live forever but there are truly reflections of emotions uh you see people who may be gone but they live in these videos and they're not necessarily obviously artistically driven or big budgeted like a movie, but they hold much more emotional value than anything, you know, you could truly see like in in movie there because it's the most relatable stuff. But I think that that's why the movie seems it's, it's something that you wouldn't think a movie would be able to really capitalize on. And the fact that you're thrown into a world where you don't get much insight in our characters and you can still feel so much for them and kind of not you don't need much time like i said five minutes and you kind of are already emotionally connected to these characters to figure out like there's something wrong here but what is wrong and i think that's where the appeal comes (laughs) yeah definitely dude um one thing that has really changed for me obviously since i've become a dad is the every movie now that i watch i'm watching from an entirely different perspective than i ever did before so, you know, maybe before I, you know, before my daughter was born, I might have been like, oh, well, I relate to the 11 year old more than I relate to the 30 year old dad. But now that I am a dad, dude, when I watch every movie and I'm watching it through the parents perspective, that's what made this movie so much more heartbreaking for me was because I've been that kid. But then now that I'm a dad, too, and like, I'm like, fuck, dude. <laughs> like, I, I literally told my wife when I was watching this with her, I was like, I hope this never fucking happens to me. And you would think like, wait, what happens, right? Nothing. But it's just that, that like you said, that unspoken, like, not, not tension. Tension's the wrong word. But just that uneasiness, you know, that uncomfortability that's just riding throughout the whole movie. The, the seeing your kid have the same things wrong with them that's wrong with you, you know? Yeah. And you're like, fuck. Like, is this really how it works? you know like it's just some deeply i don't want to say troubling but you know it really fucking hits in a different way once you you're a parent too you know to to see these movies from these other perspectives now that i i never saw before and you know you can't see it until you've done it so i understand not everyone is going to be like oh well that's not a valid uh point or criticism either way but i'm just telling you man that shit fucking hits different when you've been through it you know it's like the bias um that's where it's a 
not a bias of your choice. That is yeah. a bias of like what I was exposed to and what does attract me and what will emotionally hit with me more than, I don't know, watching dog movies like other people, you know, like watching movies where the dog is the savior or stuff like that. Yeah, but, I get you. Like it's, it. I wouldn't even say this movie feels like emotional bait the same way that a movie like that might feel. Yeah, you know? no. Like it isn't like trying to be like a tearjerker, you know, but it's just if you've been there or if you, if you can even just relate to it from that point, from that point, it's just like, Wow, this is just deeply sad, you know? Um, yeah, I, another aspect I just really completely loved because I was talking about the visuals and kind of got sidetracked there was just how much blue is used in this movie. I thought, um, you know, we always kind of joke about the, the curtains, aren't, the just curtains blue. aren't just blue, but this movie is just, just so solemnly blue. Everything is so um, fitting to the mood, and I, and I think it just works so well, especially when we talked about, like, the... Um, because the way it's shot and the way it really comments on memories and emotions and childhood and just growing up and two coming of ages eras that we've kind of talked a lot about this with the worst worst person in the world but growing up to be 30 and especially growing up to be 30 when you've had a kid that's so young and everybody kind of doesn't see you as a dad but you have you have to hold that weight and um it's a weight that I've, like I said, I have no experience in it, but it's a completely different weight that you can't relate to. And I think the movie just really portrays um, Paul Mescal's character. The uneasiness that yeah. he has, too, of being a dad, you know? It's like he wants to do the right thing. He seems to be doing the right things, like, you know, the things that we see, at least. Yeah. But those those demons that are hidden inside of him, you know, like, that's some that's some real shit right there, dude. You've all, we've all seen it, you know? Like, you're like, fuck, why does my dad look so sad? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, like, why is my mom so sad? And, like, damn, why am I sad? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, it just fucking, you're like, Dude, like it, it was just too real, you know what I mean? And um, I think one of the reasons it was, I kind of wanted to say this earlier, when you were talking about how it was shot, you know, this isn't breaking news here, that everybody nowadays is constantly recording themselves, making content, you know, doing TikToks, whatever. But the, the emotional weight that comes with that home video era, or even now, you can still get it now with your phone. It's just most people are posting it, you know? Yeah. But, I don't know if you've had much experience of watching home videos, but it can be really, really emotional. Even just to see yourself as like a, a really young child. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I remember when I was like a teenager, I watched my home videos of when I was like, uh, like a really small baby, like one or two years old. And like, I remember thinking like, what the hell? Like I was that happy once upon a time. And I was a teenager when this happened, you know? So like I had already been through my teenager shit, you know? So then to, but to watch those home videos, like, it's kind of like what you said earlier. It's like you, people could be dead. People could, they're completely different people now. It's like a, a new place, but it's kind of like we saw, we saw Babylon recently. And one of the lines I really enjoyed in that film is like how everybody in film will be dead one day. And you're just like looking at the ghosts of like, this is the only way that stays alive is like through these ghosts that you watch on screen. It's and the same thing. You can kind of feel that way about your own life given enough, given enough time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean? If you watch a video from five years ago of you and your friends or whatever, you and your mom or whatever, like it just brings you back to that moment in a way that maybe we're like desensitized to that now because we can do so much and record so much yeah. or make it an actual fucking movie instead of just a, a silly little video. Like you said, uh, like some of the stuff Sophie does, like when she's looking in the mirror, doing little selfies and stuff like that's not special now, but it was, you know, and yeah. if you weren't there, you're not going to remember it. But 
it, it did feel kind of important to capture these moments, like a family vacation like that, you know, like that would be the, the perfect time to do that. You weren't just busting it out at home for no good reason. I think my, my the biggest... Like, I record everything now. Right, know? yeah. I think the biggest thing that the film does and kind of comments on what you're talking about that really just solidifies the brilliant um, writing here and just the brilliant direction is that um, we, end, we end up, not to get ahead of myself a little too much, but you kind of end up finding out that this is being seen through a certain perspective. And it's like... You being able, we're we're witness to this person coming to realization of these home videos, what these emotions were present, and when she might have seen them as a kid, and she might not have understood them. But after you have certain life experiences and you grow up a certain way, or you're trapped under the same um, emotional, I guess, jails that someone like your parents might be, um, it all starts to make a different sense. Like you said, um, once you are a father, you see things a different way, and I think the movie just brilliantly has that overlapping um theme because um it's not something that at first when you're first watching it that seems too prevalent up until a certain scene and then you're kind of like uh, okay i get i get what's going on because for the first time i was watching it um you like every film you kind of expect the big thing to happen what's the inciting incident or what's the second act thing that's going to happen it, when are they going to explode and yell at each other yeah. and reconcile at the end yeah, yeah like, like i know what you're talking about a marriage story yeah. or you know and and there's nothing wrong with that there's a lot of films that go that way that are still really good but i thought that this film um teased that almost for a bit where you're like no way and then it played with you and that's when it kind of throws you into the um memories are not something you could rely on and you also have these ways of capturing it with the dv camera the video camera but then it could be something that you're filming so obvious um, in front of you, but you don't really understand. And it could take years later, but something like that, you kind of talked about the emotions kind of caught how, how fast we do it. We're so desensitized because we record everything. But when you would record the one video of your friend, you guys hanging out, like the Christmas videos of you opening your gifts, they meant more because those are memories that you have in your head, but they're solidified once they're um, recorded. And I, I just thought that the way that um that kind of ends up connecting and the way that we end up seeing how throughout the whole movie uh, the I, I keep forgetting her name in the, the character. movie yeah sophie so adult sophie and her father how they do live in a very they they still live together and what we can only imagine is you know her um thought like made up um I guess idea of him in her head but that is just something that I really really I think propelled me to really think about like no this is um when he talked about some people saying this is their favorite movie of the year I think my bias gets at gets in the way of me saying that but I do think it, it's a completely like I agree you know but I, I do think my bias is kind of um like I like these two more but you know yeah, like I wouldn't say it's the most technically amazing movie, yeah. uh, but boy, is it so well handled, you mm -hmm. know, like she Charlotte Wells, she is a filmmaker who really, really understood exactly what she was going for. And I would say it most likely is because it's such a personal thing to her. Yeah. But, you know, I also want to give her her credit that, you know, maybe in her second movie or third movie, it's going to be like, oh, wait, she's really fucking good, mm -hmm. you know, but. 
just that that ability to, to of like you said to not give in to that um okay now we're gonna have our big explosion because i need to make a movie you know like to to shift away from that and like no no no, no i'm gonna do it how i want to do it not the way that like the studio or the audience would expect me to do it because like you said like as an audience member we're so well trained because we've seen enough movies to be like okay so let's see here. It's an hour and 40 minutes. Hmm. 40 minutes has passed. Okay. In the next 20 minutes, there's going to be an argument yeah. or there's going to be something, you know, and what you actually get is so small and so subtle that if it's kind of, <sighs> yeah, a, I don't to... want to say it's like a blink if you miss it movie, because it's not a hard movie to mm. understand. It is. It, it's all there, dude. I do think it has to do with like the, your, um, this movie's about reading between the lines. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of like, can you read the unspoken? Can you, uh, that doesn't even make sense. Can you read the unspoken? But can you read the unwritten words? You know what I mean? Like, can you see what's going on without actually acknowledging it? Yeah. And then for her to be, she's 11 years old, you know, this character Sophie and her dad is 30. She's trying to understand her dad. And I do think she's doing a good job, but she's 11 years old. There's, there's just certain things that she's never mm-hmm. going to get, you know, yeah. that, that's kind of what makes it so much more tragic, you know, is that she wants to be there for her dad and her dad wants to be there for her. But there's just something that, you know, what are you going to get out of an 11 year old? You know what I mean? Like there's not much they can really do for each other in terms of like making it better is not the right word, but. You know, it's it's tough shit when an eleven year old can tell that you're sad as fuck, and you're like, I can't hide this, but I also can't even begin to explain what what is wrong. You know, that's a deep question to ask. It's like one of the scenes um, where it, it kind of becomes prevalent to is the dad that they're gonna repeat that cycle could be repeated, right? And I think it kind of throws you in a loop, and as a person who is responsible for another person in this world to want to give those cold facts or shine light on the darkness that your life could be in hopes that it wouldn't influence, you know, her way to think that way. But when the second that you hear that you could have tried all this, or I, I would do things so differently had I, had I had a better job or whatever it may be for his, cause we don't get those inciting things. We just know that he's unhappy. He also, Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But what I was going to say is the scene where he just kind of understands that she might be falling into the same cycle is one of those heartbreaking scenes because it's, you know, that that's like the worst thing that he thought could have happened. And it almost just creates so much more hate for himself. And I, and I think after that point in the movie, it seems like where everything does get like a lot more tension filled, but it's tension that she can't even explain because she doesn't understand it and he doesn't understand her uh, place in the world yet either. And the only remembrance that he kind of gets to that is when she does bring up the question, like, what about on your birthday when you were 11, you know? <laughs> it's a bad question to ask. Yeah, dude. it's like terror. And how would she know, you know? But it's also him, like, I don't want to answer this question because I don't want you, I don't want to be honest about the grim way that I think about these things. And um, yeah, just one of my favorite scenes I think throughout the whole film, there's so many, like you said, that are read throughout, like between the lines. But um, this one just felt just as strong. There's just so many really strong um, moments here, but that's just one that, due to the discussion how it was going, I felt like um, was worth bringing up. 
Dude, this would be such a good companion piece with the Fablemans, like to watch back to back. If you want to watch a movie about <laughs> families, but not the traditional family, I do think that these are two great films. And I would, uh, I'd go out on a limb and say all half of my list of movies is about family. And I obviously it's because you know I'm a, I'm a family man now, right? Dom Toretto. Yeah, family. <laughs> He's Peter Griffin. Yeah, she called me Peter Griffin because I'm a family guy. Yeah. <laughs> can I say? Yeah, man. It's it's just it's it's just different, you know. And like you were saying, that moment that uh, we, I think we need to synopsize the film pretty soon. Mm-hmm. But I was gonna uh, that moment that you're speaking on where he kind of realizes like, oh fuck, like she sounds just like me. You know, I haven't had this moment yet because my daughter is so small, but. Sometimes my daughter has like bad dreams or nightmares or whatever, like I guess as much as a six month old could. And it crushes me because I'm like, what did I do? Or, you know, your whole world relies on me and your mom. So like, are you having a bad dream about me or are you having a bad dream? Like what your life is great. Like, what are you so sad about? So it's like, even now I have a six month old daughter who wakes up crying sometimes and I'm like, holy shit. Like, is this sadness internalized? And like, did I pass this on to my daughter? You know what I mean? And like, I can only imagine how much, <laughs> how much worse it's going to get. But you know, like yeah. I'm already feeling this shit and she's a little tiny baby, dude. I'm like, Oh fuck. Is this my fault? Is this generational trauma that I passed on to my baby through her DNA? Like, <laughs> so yeah. I can't imagine when she's 11 years old and she's, my bones feel tired. Everything feels tired. Uh, I'm just, you know, you, you ever just feel sad after, after a long the best day? day? Yes. Like I do. <laughs> so this, this movie was somehow very comforting, but also very worrying to me, you know, like, yeah. like oh man, this is that. just a matter of time until I get here. Like, <laughs> you know, I just, it was kind of a, not a wake up call, but you know, just, ah, wow. Like I, I didn't, I don't know if I needed this right now, but I, I'm, I'm sure glad I got it. I also was going to say um, another aspect of the film, um, the relationship that he has, but uh, with Sophie's mom and himself, um, we kind of know that they're obviously split up and that all, that just waits on its own. But um, he, there's a line where he kind of talks. He's like, why do you guys always say I love you to each other, even though you're not together? And like, well, she'll always be family, you know, and it's kind of what you what you she's kind of catching on the DV and those essence of those moments. Um, you and this person created something together. And regardless of where it goes in life, there is always going to be, I mean, there should be in a healthy way. There should be um, always love there. And um, I think the film always kind of shows that there's so much trying that was in Paul Mescal's character as a dad here that he just um, can't really help. And I think that's kind of where it gets really sentimental because you feel bad for somebody who's trying so hard to not get the results that he's getting. And it's relatable in that way, just in, you know, frustrations and having not just frustrations for yourself, but having a whole, like you said, generational uh, stress that a decision that you can make or a reaction that you could have or a lack of resources to something could drastically either impair or change your kid's judgment and i don't know what gets heavier than that you know like you said yeah yeah exactly what you're talking about um so in case you're wondering what the hell are these guys talking about what happened in this movie uh let me synopsize it for you really quick so 
20 years after their last holiday at a fading vacation resort, Sophie reflects on the rare time spent with her loving and idealistic father, Callum. Callum. At 11 years old, as the world of adolescence creeps into Sophie's view, Callum struggles under the weight of life outside of fatherhood. Sophie's, recoll Sophie's recollections become a powerful and heart-trending portrait of their relationship as she tries to reconcile the father she knew with the man she didn't. So, yeah. So, it is kind of hard to... Um, I would say it's kind of hard to spoil this movie because it's not really something you can spoil. Um, like I said, it's not the most narrative-driven movie. No. Uh, it's definitely a character study. Mm -hmm. um, and even more than that, I wouldn't even just call it that. I do think it's just this... It's like its own category, kind of like the Fablemans, where it's like these filmmakers now who reflect on their own life and just like make art out of the the bad shit in their life, you know? And like, I, not every movie needs to be personal. Um, so I'm sure some of the greatest movies are not, uh, no matter how much, uh, Francis Ford Coppola might try to tell you that apocalypse now is a personal movie. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like how personal could it be, dude? Um, but you know, stuff like this, stuff like the Fablemans, uh, you know, Roma, uh, Belfast, uh, Bardo, Bardo, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I do like that movie, but, um, it's like this new little subgenre that's starting to exist. And maybe people have done it forever, you know? I'm sure that uh, Godard or fucking Fellini had a movie like this somewhere. Or somewhere in the, the French New Wave or Italian cinema, they've had movies that are like this before. But it's becoming really prevalent now. This like little subgenre of the personal movie. And the things you can do with that that genre are just really... Uh, unlimited, you know, like to see it as like, if you would have told me this was just a movie about a father and daughter going on vacation and they're both sad, I'd be like, I don't know. That sounds kind of whack, but <laughs> the way it's, it's done and like how, how well handled that Charlotte Wells did this. Like, I was just, I'm just amazed at what, like how much of a, a nothing movie could do so much to me, you know, like, is this my Jean DL men? Like, were they yeah. peeling potatoes? And I was like, no, you don't get it though. It's so good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't even know where I was trying to go with that, but ah, man, I just really fucking like this movie. I will say so far, um, I have seen consensus of anybody who has seen this movie um, really like go it. Letterbox. Go ahead. Go ahead. They they like, really like it, you know. Um, and I think it's for a reason. It um, funnily and funny enough, boring. I, nothing happened. I I I I think um, it might seem that it's a sensitive topic and unrelatable to a lot of people for the reason they might not like it. But I think that the fact that anybody who has seen it and their reactions to it make it very relatable is just um shows how much how well the film works and how there's not a second spared here at all and like you said there's things so much suggested here i think there's i really like the scenes where sophie's just growing up as a woman herself and kind of just having those teenage uh questions answered and kind of just having these moments of intimacy with you know another <laughs> another teenager you know mm -hmm. and um those are Things that are sometimes hard to be discussed in such a medium that happens, happens to be so much more, as they would say, macro instead of micro. But this seems to be, a, like I said, a micro character study into something that's so emotional. And I, yeah, like I, I feel just like you. I can't really stop gloating about this movie too much. Um, 
I I am also really surprised by it because I do feel like it came out of nowhere. And that's something we kind of touched upon in the beginning. But I didn't really expect much of this film when I did hear about it. Um, I didn't expect to like it this much. And those are always kind of my favorite ones. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, so I'm on Letterboxd. I'm, you know, uh, one star is usually feel like there's a lot of baggage that comes with the one star you know yeah like to, to give a movie a one star it really had to have either offended you or uh you know i've been you know i've been known to give a half star here and there <laughs> right to uh specifically uh halloween kills and uh the the latest texas chainsaw um so you know it it, it can be done I'm, I'm letting you know it can be done but i usually like to go to two stars to kind of judge the like people who are like what no yeah this, what the hell is this you know like uh i'm not gonna give anybody on letterbox any kind of shout outs here so i'll just kind of uh you know kind of just brush through uh leaving me with nothing but a tasteless and underwhelming experience uh it manages to fail in almost every aspect uh honestly disappointed i should have kept my expectations low how could a movie about a random kid and her dad be so overrated uh nothing impressive nor remarkable um this nails what it feels like to be bored and 11 years old with your sad dad but there's no narrative or tension so yeah i mean i uh, didn't connect with the plot sorry not sorry <laughs> Uh, that was you with the fablemans i was happy yeah that was you with the fablemans i don't like the way you handled your parents divorce i would have did it differently (laughs) okay uh, okay i guess you're just cool with your dad being a cuck whatever (laughs) um but yeah so i i understand i guess i understand where people are coming from but you know, it, it, it just hit me in the right place. And maybe I am the target audience for a movie like this. But, I, you know, in the words of Howard Ratner, I disagree. Okay, Sorry, I just do. Like, are your points all valid? Hmm. Kind of. Be like, but that's not how I felt when I watched this movie. And I guess that's the great thing about these kind of things, right, is that someone could be like, this is two stars, nothing happens, this is boring. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Everything happened. This is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I think it is um, there's like a stylistic choice or maybe favorite genre or maybe favorite type of approach of a story and um, sometimes people fall susceptible to always wanting the story to mimic that or that's the best way to do something and um, I think it's hard to judge this film in terms of it being nothing happened because I, I think it's if you don't relate to it it's it's not i don't know if it's meant to be mass relatable and i don't know if it's supposed to necessarily connect with somebody who's not open to connecting to the source um and like you said it's something that's deeply personal so i think this is um somebody who with their first film decided to just kind of really get this one out of the way in terms of creating something that maybe would be seen as a task that you might want to handle later. Lee kind of talked about um, directors or people doing stories reflecting on their own personal experiences. Um, I'm one, loving this, dude. Yeah. I'm really a big fan of the genre. I have not seen Belfast. Uh, I didn't want to see the Irish Roma ripoff, but <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, for the most part, though, I'm really, really loving this new genre or newer, whatever. I don't want to be called that. I'd be like, you're a noob. You don't know that this was invented in the 60s. But, 
Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I was gonna say like I I um I have seen like for example Tarkovsky's uh, mirror and that and, oh, I, and shit. I, he invoked the, he invoked him <laughs> and I think he talked about because we were having a conversation uh, Bardo um, reminds me a lot about it actually but I I do think that it's it's something that um, a director who is usually more established tackles the source material in terms of letting their life kind of marinate more to earn that experience and kind of get the reach around like and now as a kid this is my outlook and now that i'm a full-grown adult this is what i know um but to be able to tackle it when you're not really at that point yet and especially in your creative venue still trying to make a name for yourself i think to put something out so personal and for to get such a good reception to it um is outstanding to me but i also don't think that um the hate that we kind of talked about i i just don't think it is almost as validated because it seems to be if you don't relate to it that's I, I, it's not the worst thing you know and all for honesty, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i i and and that's like kind of weird to say about a movie but it's the same guy that'd be like i don't relate to this sorry be like but unfortunately people do you know and this movie is for those people or for a key demographic that could at least understand well i think because we've kind of been talking about this all year in a couple of the past episodes um the eight you know, I watch eight movies a year. Of course, if you watch them, I think nothing happened, right? But I watch films where, yeah, we, we talked to the number one sight and sound. Nothing happens. Legitimately, nothing happens. And then, like, to compare those two films, for example, like, there's so many more. You want to see nothing happen? I'll show you a film where nothing happens. I'll show you a movie where a lady peels potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, to, like, I understand not resonating with it, but it's such, such a personal love letter to honestly being human and emotional and just having this um like it's it, it's weird like those sad moments in retrospect what you talked about um when you watch old videos of yourself uh whether seeing the happiness that was later to find out you should have been sad or whatever it may be i think those are you can't really comment on those movies as negative it is just relatable if that's like and it's it's hard to really for me to judge so hard on people who don't like it because like i said yeah it's good that you don't relate to it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wish i didn't relate to this movie (laughs) um so getting let's dive into the movie a little bit i mean you know i think it's about time uh typical podcaster 40 minutes in we should probably start talking about the movie (laughs) um so 11 year old frankie she's on vacation with her dad in uh turkey her dad is played by Paul Mescal. Um, for a lot of people, this is probably going to be either their first uh, first outing with Paul Mescal. Um, if you've seen The Lost Daughter, which was a you know a vacation movie from last year from Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, he was in that as well. That was where I saw him, and I do know about uh, Normal People, the the TV show that he was in with uh, what's her face, Fresh, um, is it De- Daisy Edgar Jones? Yeah, yeah. Good yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I know Paul Mescal is definitely uh, very big in the online world, especially for the uh, the guys and gals and everybody else who uh, is big into you know film photographers who wear dirty Converse and drink cold brews. You know, yeah. I know Paul Mescal is, is very daddy in that world. <laughs> I will say this: this is interesting. Oh, Phoebe Bridgers fan. I definitely like Paul Mescal. Seriously, <laughs> this is even. Um, his second 824 movie this year. What's the other one? Only uh, God's Creatures. 
is uh or God's creature. Sorry, yeah, not only God's creature. I know creature. about that movie, but I didn't know that that was an A twenty. That movie is been pretty under too. Um, haven't gotten too much reception. I need to watch that, but um, that is when I saw the trailer for that movie, which I did see in theaters. Interestingly enough, God's creatures. Um, that's where I recognized him from, and, I, and that's what kind of made it more interesting to me because I I didn't see a trailer for After Sun. After Sun is one of the ones that I just threw. Um, people saying that it's really good was what made me interested in it. But God's Creatures is where I did see Paul Mescal with Emily Watson, I think. Um, yeah, so it is. It, I did find that uh, interesting. Cause I got hooked from the teaser image of Paul Mescal with the, wearing the striped shirt with the broken arm and uh, Sophie's mm. is sitting in his lap. That got me because I was like... I was I was just in from that photo, you know, but I wasn't like looking forward to it. I don't think I've seen a trailer for this movie. Um, for me, at least, the big marketing push was Instagram. Big on Instagram. I was seeing this everywhere. After Sun, After Sun, After Sun, and like I said, I wasn't able to see it. Um, but yeah, uh, he's he is very under the radar right now. Right you know? now, I yeah. feel like he's about to have his. This is the inkling, you know. This is the beginning, which is a it's a it's a great start to have. You know, <laughs> to be in like a to what? Throw him in Dune, huh? Yeah, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I was like, put him in Dune three because he can't be in two. Two's already wrapped up. Like, but it, oh fuck you! Yeah, you know, he'll be in Dune three or I don't know, Fantastic Beast four, maybe who knows, something like that. Um, I do see Paul Mescal becoming a a household name for. I don't know. I don't know what that means anymore, but you know, I do see him becoming extremely popular. I see him uh, coming. I can see in. him being in the same light as like an Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver. Yeah, type yeah. Of, uh, you know, a type of vibe as the as the young people of today would say. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we the film was really just carried by these two characters. I mean, they're, they're honestly the only characters in the movie except for an adult sophie uh the mother we never see her just through the phone so we really are just kind of stuck on this awkward vacation uh which it, you know so much is not said like you mentioned earlier right um when's the last time he saw her uh what does he do for a living uh what's their situation is uh is the mother engaged because when he does talk to her on the phone you know he's like oh i'm so happy for you congratulations did she get a job? Is she pregnant? Is she, uh, is she engaged to somebody else? You know, like it just leaves so much there for you. Yeah. And, um, it lets you kind of, you know, build it up for yourself. And I think that that's got a lot to do with the, uh, the memories and the reflecting of what's real and what's imagined, you know, like it kind of puts you in, in Sophie's shoes of like, Oh, what are they saying to each other? You know, like you just want to know so much and none of it is given to you. So I do think that that helps with the, uh, uh, not having a preconceived notion about like, Oh, this is probably just some deadbeat dad, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. He's doing this to make himself look good. Um, he does come off as a father who is extremely caring and wants his daughter to be, you know, raised the right way. He's willing to do, you know, be cordial with the mother. He is trying his best to give her good memories. Um, but he's just, he's a fucking human being man be like all the same struggles and problems you're going through that didn't go away because he's her dad you know yeah. like if anything it's 10 times worse than it was before so uh i just felt for him deeply you know i couldn't help but be like damn he's me for real even though my daughter's not 11 years old but you know at any age of becoming a father you're just like 
oh fuck i'm i'm literally not allowed to be a kid anymore you know or half the shit i cared about i can't even care about now because i have to be worried about raising a person the right way so you know fortunately for me i'm really loving and embracing being a father but i can see how this is so fucking scary for people and how if you don't have your uh shit wired tight like this can easily become this situation that we have in front of us which we don't know why does he have the broken arm did he get into a fight you know what i mean like he said he doesn't remember is this guy a huge alcoholic is he gonna kill himself did he kill himself you know what i mean like it's just it's so much there for you to kind of just fill in yourself so i think that's what makes the movie so great it's almost like this uh Pick your own adventure, even though that's nowhere near uh, intended, you know, or like that would seem like a a gimmick, but it's not. It it lets you fill it in for yourself. And I think that's why it becomes so personable because you're like, fuck, I've done this, you know? Yeah. Like I've been on awkward vacations with my dad in Vegas after my parents separated, you know? And you'd be like, damn, bro, you sad. Like, me too. Fuck. Yeah. All right, let's go swimming. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. So. It yeah, for me like I can't even be, I don't I can't be fair about this movie. I can't be unbiased about this movie, man. You know I've I've seen this shit. I've been through this shit. Be like so, you know. Wow, representation. They made a movie about my life. Like, so. But I think um, yeah, for it to be a movie about such a heavy topic and for it to be so artistically well done, like you said, um, a movie that does feel more on the art house type of um, like a appeal is the word I was looking for. Um, not really too much, but I do think if you had to p- pick between the mainstream and more, you know, we kind of had the joke that somebody says it's only movies for Marvel boys and what do you say? Um, oh, it's fucking dumbass on Twitter. <laughs> um, you know, that, that stupid film Twitter world, dude. Yeah. They only make movies of phase six and for Juilliard applicants, bro. Be like, well, that's how I know you're a dumbass. Be like, what does Juilliard have to do with movies? <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, but so I, I, we're talking art and dance and painting and sculpting and all that kind of shit. We're not talking about fucking USC's film school, dude. Exactly. Uh, but not to give too much credit to it, any argument of that sake. But if you're gonna break it down to those two type of, um, which it's not to um, shit on it too much, but a lot of people do seem to go do some field work. Uh, a lot of people seem to feel that way, you know. Yeah, um, they don't see too many movies a year after Sun. Doesn't seem like something you would. When are you gonna throw this on Christmas, right? Well, how am I supposed to recommend this movie? Yeah, to yeah. Like this is a feel good, feel bad movie. Like it really, really is. Like, hey, do you want to be sad for like two hours? Yeah. Like, do you want to just see like a really shitty thing happen? And I think uh, the same way that because we're so heavy into movies, we understand that the emotional palette is something that. Um, I like using while watching films. Um, sad. It's an emotion that really comes out too unforced um, in a movie for me. In terms of, um, there is movies that might be a little sad, and you're kind of like, "Damn, that's you know." Oh, or but for it to just genuinely like bring you to tears, or um, you get that one movie, right? The one movie the tear, one, the Denzel and Glory, like because you, you you couldn't hold it back, you know, and. Um, for a movie to be able to do that and also like you said have nothing really happen the whole time all of it be said under the wraps is i i think it just doesn't get really much better than that 
Yeah, man, it's just it's just so good, so real. There's so many moments, like the things that do happen in the movie, they feel like nothing, right? But just to go through a few of them that you would think, like, how is this interesting at all? But you just you just had to have <laughs> it feels so weird to be like, you don't understand this movie if you haven't lived this. But you know, there's just those moments like he passes her her scuba mask and she drops it and and you know, he's fucking heated. He wants to like lose his shit on her, but he knows he can't. You know, and I'm sure his parents did that to him. And I'm sure in those self-help meditating books and Tai Chi or whatever that he's doing that, you know, he's been he's been learning that th this is not the way to raise a child. Right. But that emotion is there. You can see it. He wants to fucking like, oh, why did you do that? You know what I mean? But he has to hold back because especially, too, since he's a divorced dad or, you know, a separated dad. What's he going to do? Like, oh, yeah, I took my daughter on vacation and I fucking yelled at her. But he wants to, you know, but he, he but he can't be like, and that is one of those things about being a parent, too, that I'm sure is very fucking difficult when you want to be human. You want to have that moment where you're yelling and screaming and, you know, being immature or whatever. And you 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 just can't because, like, what am I going to do? Teach my daughter or son that this is OK or I'm going to fucking, you know, I'm going to make it act like, you know, it is OK to act like this in public, which it's not. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's, there's just so much there of like. His, he's already this like really sad fucking person who is obviously having a hard time in life outside of being a dad. And then to just throw in like this stuff, like oh, I, I brought you on this vacation that I can't afford and I bought you this fucking mask and you dropped it. And now I have to pretend I'm not mad because if I hurt your feeling or uh, my feelings are hurt, but now I'm going to hurt your feelings and then it's going to make me feel worse. You know, like it's just that, that unfairness that comes with like, you know, raising a person, you're like, Oh, I literally can't do the thing I want to do right now because like how this could affect your entire fucking life or future, you know? And you would think like, wow, all of that just cause she dropped a mask. It's like, but if you've done it, you know, you fucking know. Like if your parents were, you know, a little broke or whatever, and they bought you some fucking soccer cleats or shoes and you fucked them up. You already knew when you got home, you're like, Oh fuck. This, I, this is so bad. This is the worst thing that could have happened, you know? And be, like you said, Hey, you're fortunate if you don't know what this is like, but this stuff is all too real, dude. All too real. Yeah. Then there's, again, you add like the moments of her growing up. Um, she's trying to find out what she's into, honestly. Um, yeah. Cause she's also going through adolescence, you know, mm -hmm. she's 11 years old. And if you remember being 11 years old, that's some that's some dark shit right there. You're like, Oh fuck. Like, I might be having sex or I might try alcohol or whatever. Like not now, but you know, like a couple so of when years. I get to high school, I'm supposed to do that, you know? Yeah. And like, it's different for some people, you know, some people are, uh, you know, they're quick to fucking jump on the, like, Oh, I want to be an adult train. Like I'm going to drink, I'm going to have sex, whatever. But when you're like 11 years old, it's kind of even hard to fathom that. Like, so I'm supposed to start kissing people and I'm supposed to start like doing adult shit or whatever. And like, that's that's tough dude and i mean I, I know you probably know some people who and we all do that like, when they grew up it like it's like damn dude you're, you're 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 20 years old and you still act like you're 11 and not because it's uh like but in a positive way if that makes sense you know like you, wow you still have that uh joyous whimsy yeah I, <laughs> you know that you, like where it, that's just gonna get taken from you like and you're lucky if you have it that long but you know 11 12 years old when you go into middle school or whatever or puberty starts hitting like you know, dude, and be like, and to pretend like you don't, that's, it's just false. You know? Yeah, and I mean, the movie has. Not me, I was different when I was 11. I already knew. Yeah, yeah. no, I already knew I was into that. Not not like it's literally chemically happening, you know, and I think <laughs> yeah. that is something else, that there is a chemical 
she's growing up um hormones are coming in also appearances of what might be you know generational depression and um it is an interesting thing to see as a dad who's struggling or really at their best trying to deal with it um but there is even moments of her finding out what she should be doing with boys or with bo- with girls that like three years older than her are doing uh being told boys are not disgusting um seeing two boys kiss each other and having reactions to that which we later find out i guess that like she does seem to be partnered with a woman so um those are all things that in the movie seem to be like at 11 years old you're exposed to these things for the first time um you're kind of sort of hanging out with some teenagers um you kind of see what it is to be quote-unquote like in a little um lovebird situation and growing up um she's entering that phase in her life where you start to realize who you are you know mm -hmm. or like who am i going to be and like oh fuck that's a decision i have to make yeah you know like i'm not just going to be a kid forever who's playing or playing arcade games and pool like i'm supposed to be kissing people i'm supposed to be doing all of this you know like and that along with your sad dad and his sad life and your (laughs) you know yeah this is a lot to deal with man and i think they're and it's a visual like you said this this movie really uses the medium to express all the emotions and things you can't really get at um there's a scene where um the dad's trying to cut the cast off of his hand and you know she's talking to her on the other in the other side of the room or in the other there's a wall between them and i think obviously that's like you know, whoa, whoa metaphorical. yeah exactly that's what it's gonna get at but it is um there is this wall between them, but it's not a wall that they can really do anything about. It is, uh, like you said, that that joyous whimsy that life takes from you after a certain age because you become less um, hopeful. Uh, maybe things start to look a lot more like you come kind of come down on reality. As a kid, you're kind of pushed to believe that you could do whatever you want, or that these things to kind of live uh, life or you know worry free. Um, but there's this wall that lives between them and she is not going to understand her dad and he's not going to understand her. And again, I know it's very, wow, it's such a beginner type of things, but I think, um, these are beginner emotions, you rookie. Yeah. Those, (laughs) those would be also things that realistically do happen. There is, um, you know, certain situations where people could live, right next to somebody in the same house as somebody but not really understand them and not know them and so although the technique might seem like amateur filmmaking it is a very realistic um, emotion people have you know i wouldn't even say that i don't think he understands her i think what makes it so sad is that he does yeah that's but true. that he can't do anything like he sees all of this happening in front of him and how helpless he is in in all of it you know yeah, it's like that's true fuck, like i wanted this to not happen <laughs> i specifically asked you to not do this like and this is exactly what is fucking happening you know like that's yeah. that's what's really rough you know he's he's trying he's doing the best he can fucking do and it's not good enough you know it's these are things that that are beyond either of their control and like that's what makes it so fucking heartbreaking dude is that she's becoming him like right in front of she is becoming him right in front of him, you know? It's like, dude, I can see this. Like, she sounds like me. She talks like me. She's acting like me. And, like, this is not what I wanted for her, you know? And wh- why? How? And it's like, it's it's easy to just be like, uh, because divorce or because separation. Like, it's because he's not in a traditional household with his wife, you know? But 
That, you know, that's what fucking sucks is that because he's not there with his, you know, his ex or whatever. And because he's not raising her together in this household, like she's had to deal with that real shit since he was like six years old of like, no, my parents don't live in the same place. Like I live here and my dad lives there and I only get to see him once in a while. And like, yeah, at six years old. Guess what? You're going to have to fucking grow up then. And like, how fair is that to to her? You know, and like, that's what that's what makes it so heartbreaking is that. I'm sure this is not what he wanted or how he thought his life was going to turn out. And then just to see, it's like, fuck man. Like I know I'm saying a lot of the same things over, but it's just, it's just because it hits me so hard, dude. It's just so personal to me and so many other people. So it was just really fucking like, uh, like therapeutic to see a movie like this, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, um, one other thing that I did, a moment that I thought kind of speaks about how good of a father he really wants to be is the importance he kind of places on teaching her to physically defend herself in the beginning. Um, kind of telling, no, this is really important. So, if, like, you need to learn this. And I think it is almost um, everything else in the movie is trying to mentally prepare her uh, for the battles that she's going to go through. But there is no way to really explain those things to her without breaking the innocence. And that's where the tension lies and that's where the we do get the moments where um we are thought that these are just moments that sophie as an adult is later trying to piece together to try to understand maybe she added 30 years um, we let her find out towards the end of the movie that it is her birthday and maybe seems to she's turning the same age that her father was and yeah she is because it's 20 years later and it is just kind of being able to put on that last trip but it seems like to me that they had last interactions and um to be able to see the sadness that was so prevalent in her father um there's another scene that really stands out to me is um it, the movie starts this way where the where he's dancing um but later we end up kind of meeting again with that scene but when she turns off the camera um there's we basically get this line delivery but it's only off of the reflection of the tv and then there's like another mirror in the back and i think this just really speaks about um this conversation happened and it wasn't recorded, but it so much holds the same emotional weight that something that she did record was there. Um, those the are, she'll never forget. Yeah. Like what was the, the part that, and, and she makes a joke like, don't worry, I'll record this one with the mental one, you she know? <laughs> and, and it's because, and that that's the shot that we're getting. It's the shot that um, we're the audience that gets kind of told, like, you can't see this, but we're seeing it through reflection that this is indeed happening. And this seems to hold the most weight with Sophie because, when she's 30 and reflecting on these things, these are the moments that she's like, I, I get it. This was happening. This is recorded, but this is what was happening. And the whole scenes where we kind of get them dancing. Um, I just thought that those are just beautiful scenes, honestly, even though they're, um, they're so kind of strobed. Yeah. It's just a strobe light and it's just someone dancing, but as as even as simple as this thing of under pressure being used in the opposite way it usually is and being more lit which is weird because it's the literal sense of what the what the song is saying but to even see that and how it's been and how um later the two just connect like adult sophie and adult and her dad and in, in, in a place where they don't at the moment it, it seems a movie in first they don't reside together in real life he seems to um be gone and in a weird way, this emotional imbalance, this 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 uh, trip, will always be a moment that they live together in her brain. And 
I was so glad this wasn't like a melodramatic movie. You know, like as as much as I love the Fablemans, I'm so glad this wasn't like the Fablemans. You know, yeah. Um, just because it just made it so much more real. You know, like that was like the uh, <laughs> the shiny, clean, fantasized version of your parents getting separated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, which I I loved, I adored. Fable it's different. Was one of my favorite movies of the year, but to see it from both sides, you know, like no, this is the real, and not even to be like this is gritty, you know, but like. This was just more grounded, more realistic, more, more, uh, more uh, show and don't tell than even the Fablemans was, you know. But yeah, man, I just think for this for for, the, for some reason, the older I get, be like these two movies are, I feel like these are gonna stick with me for a long time. I just think like the way to describe it is um, there's certain books that you read that put you like they just ha- have um, exalting moods to stand out so much like they have this um longing or they make you create this ambiance that um usually nothing else really can but this movie really made gave me that feeling um in terms of these emotions and how to feel about them and those are emotions that usually aren't very talked about and they're definitely not expressed in this situation very much um you know, we we did on the count of three, a movie that kind of does talk about also the same thought process that uh, is very obvious that um, the dad is going through here, um, but a very different approach to how to feel about those emotions and a very different um, approach to it as from the director. Um, I was so worried that he was going to kill himself in this. Movie, yeah, you know, and that's and that's and that's what you're like. And, and that's, even. You know, I feel like maybe because she's 11 years old, she doesn't understand that. But I feel that sh- that the character of Sophie does understand this. Like, I'm kind of scared for my dad. You know what I mean? Which is like, that's a whole other thing. You know, when you're worried about your parents like that at such a young age to just kind of like, like, no, I can tell something's wrong, though. It isn't just that you're, oh, you know, my dad's kind of quiet or whatever. You know, it's just, yeah, so... There's that resentment that she holds, though, too, uh, possibly because that's after the inciting incident happens where she kind of just brings up to him that she's kind of tired of the excuses and to kind of not really make fake promises. And I think as a kid, um, you know, just in terms of how close we are, there's certain things, like you said, they hit close to home. And that is uh, certain things that I'm, I'm sure they are very relatable to someone like you. And I think... Um, oh, you man. don't, you Oof. don't like when you say those things at that age, you don't know the weight that they hold. And Sophie's like the thought process that she has of what her dad was after having this small, like you said, this is the moment that in any other movie would have been the big argument. The, you know, Grow this up, is be a yeah, man, yeah. be my father, you yeah. know, like one of those moments. But here it's, it's just like two lines. And it, it, it works so much better than anything I could have really thought about myself. Um, but it, it's that, that like Sophie can 30 years later can think about what that would have done to her dad in terms of seeing how much he was actively trying with what he had, his situation he outside. He wants so much for her, but it's not like his broke ass can give it yeah. to her. Like, and it's not even like you said, like uh, you could cast aside that he actually, like, why is he broke? That that's those are questions that it's where the tension comes. Like, well, it seems that he is very he's not old. He does like I when I thought I'd be thirty, I thought I wouldn't even be here anymore. And to also have that thought process while also being like, but I have to raise this kid and not let her think this way. Um, 
to those decisions that you're going to make because you don't even really want to stick around. Those decisions impact what you can financially bring to the person that you brought into this world, which will <laughs> negatively impact the situation and the relationship that you two could have because um, there's a resentment that grows, especially if you're not together as the nuclear family. And for that all to blow up in two lines. Yeah, it's like that's the the big moment in this movie, right? But it's, it's nothing. It's so small. It's nothing. And it's so real, too. It's like, look, I'm not trying to talk shit, but why do you offer to buy things that you can't afford? Like, yeah. You shouldn't do that. Like, why are you making fake promises to me? And, like, every kid knows that fucking a, a fake promise is, like, the worst thing that an adult can do to you, you yeah. know? Because you're like, why? I didn't even have this in my head. You're the one who put it there, you know, just yeah. to disappoint me. So, I, I, you know, I understand it from both sides. It's, it's just really a fucking tough pill to swallow, you know, so, that yeah. thing. Cause you're like, God damn, like, you know, this vacation costed him, you know, like, and the other big moment for me is that he wants to buy like this traditional, like Turkish rug. Yeah. Right. And he's in love with it. And you know, whatever it's a rug. He, he can feel that way. He's an adult. Right. But he knows he can't afford it. It's $850 or pounds or whatever. Right. And, Oh, well, they're on this vacation. They must be able to afford it. Yeah, but they're staying at this, like, run-down, rinky-dink, like, half-built motel. They are constantly ducking. Like, he's ducking any excuse for why they don't do activities. You know what I mean? Like, oh, why can't I go parasailing? Oh, you're too young. Too young, you know? pop it. Even though if you look up there close enough, you're like, I'm sure that person, like, there's probably a kid up there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, they uh, they dine and ditch one night. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Or dine and dash. Um so you know this is really costing him, and he's just seeing something he wants so bad. And even if you don't have a kid, you know what it's fucking like. And hey, and like you said, if you don't, good for good for you. You know what? Fuck you. Good for you that you you don't know what it's like to stress out over buying a rug that you can't afford. But that moment right there of just of just knowing that like, fuck, like I I can't have this because my life sucks i don't have a fucking job i don't have uh savings uh you know and i, I can't really like this like fucking joe exotic i will never financially recover, recover from, from this, this yeah if i buy this rug you know what i mean be like but i want it so bad and i you know i want things i, I i'm not greedy you know it's not like he's swimming in uh you know designer clothes and nice hotels like this is just a man who wants a fucking rug but he can't even get it because he's so fucking broke and that he's so embarrassed about being broke that he has to you know sneak away to buy this thing yeah. and he fucking you can just see it on his face and he's like i've made a huge mistake you know like I've, i'm being completely selfish i shouldn't have done this or whatever but fuck man he's human this guy wants this thing why shouldn't he be allowed to have it you know yeah. it's just these small moments like that where it's like you know good for you if you haven't been through it like you keep like you've said but all too real for too many of us dude if you listen to this podcast you for sure have been to ikea and be like god i want this rug and i can't fucking yeah, afford it exactly. you know? yeah no i agree now uh, imagine healthcare and a car and a future and a secure home on top of that i can't even buy a fucking rug and now i'm supposed to provide for another person what the fuck yeah I thought I was going to be, you know, I wasn't planning on being 30 years old. I have no life savings. Like, and now I have to fucking raise a person like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know? that, and, oh, and now she hates me because I'm fucking broke and I was never planning on even, you know, I wasn't planning on having you. How the fuck is I supposed to know I was supposed to be saving money? You know, yeah. it's just, oh, it's just too deep, dude. It, yeah, no, it, 
Like, yo, this is too real, bro. Maybe you shouldn't have made this. Come on, man. <laughs> and uh, I know that she doesn't, you know, if the movie is as honest as it seems, she doesn't have a relationship with her father currently. So, you know, she had even bigger balls than Steven Spielberg to be like, he's yeah, alive. This piece of shit's out there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I hope yeah. he sees this, you know, even though I don't feel like that's the general uh, vibe that was given off of like, right, I, yeah, I hate yeah. my dad or whatever. But, you know, just for the comedy styles, for the jokes, you know, her dad is still out there somewhere and he's probably watching this movie and thinking like, oh, I fucked up, you know, and it's just so sad, too, because when you think about it, you're like, I could see why he decided that it's probably better that I'm not involved in your life because like, I'm just going to make it worse. But you, dude, you're her dad. You can't fucking do that. You know, like the little that you were giving her is more than enough. She had the time of her life, but I also understand, I guess I would never do it, but I could totally get why he was like, I'm just going to fucking ruin her the way I ruined myself, you know? Yeah. So I get it, but you, 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 you can't do that, dude. It's part of the binding contract of having a kid. You can't fucking abandon them. That's kind of the first rule. No, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, some of the, the beauty that I think the, again, just visual cues of this movie, art through, or poetry through art, not really saying much, just doing it. And we kind of start off with like, well, kind of what the scene that you said with they, they dine and dash. It is turning such a negative thing like being broke into a positive experience that she'll remember, right? Um, we threw eggs at the, the dumb people who are doing the macarena or whatever. <laughs> but then also um, the way the movie kind of like starts and we kind of get also she, she's asleep and we just get him sneaking out to go smoke, right? That's like one of the first scenes that we get. But then we're also kind of later shown that he teaches her like smoking is really bad for you and all of these things. But then the movie ends up going into a scene where he's real he's passed out and she seems to be mimicking the same stuff that she he's doing and again kind of replacing um how she so well fits into the same world that he's in and again just being able to show that without saying there's no lines in that whole um exchange or that whole um part where she goes into the room um so many of the scenes like for example when he does get saying happy birthday to him and what she, she ends just up ruined his whole fucking day. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she ends up later thinking like her being that age, like, well, how would, how does she feel when her, as I say, girlfriend for the sake of argument tells her, I love you, you know? Um, or, I mean, uh, happy birthday. Um, for some reason, sometimes it is a reflection on the same emotions that we said that you might see yourself, as an 11 year old on a video and like, Oh fuck, I'm 31 now. And like, what, what have, what have I done or what haven't I done or what errors am I falling into that? I'm like, I, I get it now. I get this trip now. This, everything makes so much sense now. And I feel stupid for never really understanding that, but you, you can't at that age. But I think that the movie again, through those scenes without saying much dialogue in any of those scenes, just being heavy transitions very light um the score isn't anything too um 
heavy. It's a pretty minimalist movie. Like yeah. It's a micro movie. Like, I feel like that's a, I don't know if that is a coined term by anybody yet, but that's the term I'd like to start using. And I don't mean it in any negative connotation at all, but it's a, it's a micro movie. It's not about the, you know, it's not about flexing the technical prowess of these people. It, it's, it's not about, you know, telling this complex, deep story that's going to change your life. It's just these really small little personal movies that almost feel like they kind of existed like this whole time like i've been meaning to say that since we started is that this movie feels timeless mm-hmm. and i think it is because of that home video factor or the just the fact that it's just about like memories and reflection and all of that that it's the kind of stuff that just feels like it's always existed you know like i feel like i found this not that it was made yeah not even that it really would have came out this year yeah so i mean i don't have too much more to say uh except see this fucking movie man be like i know i made it i know we made it sound sad or whatever but this is some good good shit right here and i definitely think more people need to see it finally some good content finally some good fucking content Content. yeah um yeah i don't have much more else to say either i think i've been uh as you could tell lunically gloating about this i mean i've kind of been going in circles in terms of describing it but obviously not trying to ruin too much but yeah biggest thing is to definitely go watch this it seems to be more available now um i don't expect any awards or anything for this it's just way too small i think but i, w- I wish it did paul mescal best actor dude yeah but, but nah, they're not going to but um yeah after sun brilliant film brilliant debut just a beautiful gorgeous film which is not something i usually would end the film as as the words to describe it but i just truly think it's one of the most beautiful films i've seen yeah man i mean you said it best i don't have anything else to say except go see this fucking movie please 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 um if you you know like like and subscribe comment you know whatever do all the shit you got to do um and just yeah watch this fucking movie man it made us very sad but also very happy and isn't that everything cinema (laughs) cinema baby cinema baby very keen the movies are back